Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're so thankful that you've come to join us on Zoom and on Facebook. And uh, it's good to uh, take this time in the middle of the week to look into the Word of the Lord together. And uh, we're so thankful that you've joined us, <clears throat> whether it be on Facebook or Zoom. We're so glad that you're uh, taking some time out tonight uh, to look into the Word of the Lord. And uh, I pray that something that would be said here tonight would encourage you, would strengthen you, um, would give you um, encouragement in these days where things can get quite frustrating fairly quick. And uh, so we're, we're thankful for that. Uh, so let's open tonight with just a word of prayer. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together online Lord, though that we're not together physically, we're together in spirit. And Lord, you said that where two or three gathered in your name, there you would be in the midst of them. And we're trusting, Lord, that you're in every home, in every office, wherever somebody is watching this and being ministered to by it. Lord, we trust that you're already there and preparing the way. I'm asking you, Lord, to be with us tonight and allow us, Lord, to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, as we open up your word and share the truths of the word of God with others. We'll be careful to give you praise and honor and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to uh, be a part of the kingdom of God, part of something that's much bigger than we are. And uh, in the midst of what's going on to in, in our world today, all of the different Oh, the chaos, really, whether it be political, financial, uh, medical, whatever it is, it's, uh, it can get to be overwhelming very quickly. And so tonight I felt this afternoon to share with you a message out of the book of Psalms. You can turn there, if you would, to Psalm chapter 4, Psalm 4. I would have gotten in trouble in my <clears throat> biblical studies class by calling it a chapter because it's not a chapter, it's a song. And uh, But Psalms 4, and uh, eventually we're going to get to verses 1 through 8. There is uh, a place called the Christiansburg Palace in Copenhagen. It is Denmark's parliament building, and there are three stone figures uh, at the entrance, and they represent, believe it or not, the earache, the headache, and the stomach ache. And they were placed there to suggest that if you ever enter politics, you're going to have all three. And uh, I think that most of us would agree that entering politics is likely to cause a great deal of stress. And uh, we live today in a very stress-filled society. And it affects all of us, not just politicians. Uh, it'll affect all of us at some point. Uh, in time or another, stress will catch up to us, and uh, we'll feel it. Uh, you can feel it just about every day in the times that we're living in. There is stress that's available. And I find that, uh, according to the experts, stress comes in four different ways. The first way it comes is what they call acute stress. And it's what most people identify this kind of stress that they, they have. It makes itself felt through uh, tension, headaches, uh, emotional upsets, um, feelings of agitation and pressure, uh, upset stomach, nausea, those kinds of things. In fact, for me personally, 
when I start feeling nauseous for whatever reason, that's usually my body saying, okay, go to bed for a while. Uh, you're overdoing it. You're burning the candle at both ends and it's not going to be good for you. And so acute stress uh, is this problem too. There we are. We're back on now. So uh, we'll just continue to hope that it stays that way. We're working on fixing it at the church. We're not sure what yet what to do, but we're working on it. So all of us deal with acute stress from time to time. And uh, the second one is episodic acute stress. And uh, this is more serious. It can lead to migraine, headaches, hypertension, even strokes and heart attacks come from this aspect. Emotional uh, upset, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, serious gastro in, uh, in problems as far as nausea and upset stomach, things of that nature. The third aspect of stress that, uh, that professionals talk about is chronic stress. It's one of the most serious of all. It's the stress that never ends. It's that constant nagging stress. It grinds us down until our resistance is totally gone. And serious symptom uh, or systematic illnesses such as diabetes, immune uh, immunocompetence and perhaps even cancer uh, has been shown to be attributed to some things of chronic stress. And then the last one um, where not everybody has it, but it's, it's, it's a possibility to have it, and that is traumatic stress. And that is a result of massive acute stress. Usually um, it will reverberate from time to time throughout our uh, life. And this is where you would see uh, it's commonly known as post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, this is the type of stress that you experience, uh, or the type of, of, of stress, whether it be acute, whether it be episodic, whether it be chronic, whether it be traumatic. All of us experience them in different ways, at different moments, at different times. And uh, experts have come up with a number of suggestions in how to deal with them First of all, identify your trigger, get a massage. Uh, I love doing that. Practice breathing exercises, aerobic exercising, develop a network through friends, family, coworkers. There's all kinds of things out there about how to cope with stress, deal with stress, and all of those are good. And all of those are useful and helpful. Uh, but tonight I want to share with you uh, another method uh, out of the scripture out of that the psalmist gives us in Psalm 4. Uh, David gives us a prescription of dealing with stress, and I want to just address that here this evening. So I'm going to read Psalm 4. I'm reading, reading from the King James tonight. It says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. 
In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. There are many theologians or theological scholars, if you will, that believe that David wrote this psalm, Psalm 4, as he was about to retire for the evening. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what theologians will tell you. He couldn't do much about the war that was around him, and he, but he could do something about the war that was within him. And we all have that. There are wars going on around us. There's battles. There's situations. There's things that are going on constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week that are going on around us. And oftentimes we try to deal with them in bed, fretting or stewing or worrying. David committed himself and his situation to the Lord. And uh, though David, uh, or through David, God is trying, I believe, to teach us because the Bible tells us that the Old Testament is an example for us in the New Testament, that God is trying to teach us some important lessons about having peace of mind during times of stress. And uh, it's, it's no wonder why our politicians, our medical field, they're worrying about not just the virus that we're dealing with now, but the economy and everything that's going on, because the more stress we have, the greater likelihood that there's going to be more sickness, more disease, more problems. And I believe that if we will apply these principles tonight that I'm going to share with you, uh, if we really apply them to our lives, um, everything around us becomes not necessarily easier, but less stress. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm ready for a less stress-filled week. Uh, I, in fact, I told Trish tonight, I was like, you know, we've been home most of the nights. We haven't, our calendar is basically empty, but I still feel like I need a vacation uh, because it's getting so, you know, just, it, it's heavy. It's, it's hard to operate because there doesn't seem to be uh, any hope, even though every day we hear a little bit more light breaking through and coming through this. And, um, and I believe that God is going to bring us through on a, on a brighter note. But at the same time, we're all dealing with uh, the stress of the moment, the stress of the day. And so I want to share with you a couple of things that I drew out from this passage of Scripture the first one is this, if you're going to cope with stress, this should always be our first response to a stressful situation, and that is supplication. Notice in Psalm 4 verse 1, it says, answer me when I call the God of my right. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Prayer is still the best place to start uh, in anything really, but especially when we're stressed. Prayer is the best place to start uh, in response to any problem that we might face. In fact, Jesus said this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. God wants to provide for us the relief that we so desperately need. Can I just tell you that God, God's purpose is not for us to be stressed. Uh, in fact, we have read in the scripture, and I'm trying to bring it up off the top of my head, Right now, I want to say it's in the book of Daniel, but that there would be a time when the enemy would work to wear out the saints, just to make the saints tired. And uh, there's there's days now in the last you know 50 days or whatever it is since we've been dealing with this, there are those days where you're just, you haven't even done anything, but you're still exhausted. 
mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, spiritually exhausted, and God does not want us to operate at that level. And so the first response that we should have is, okay, let me shut everything else down and let me call out to him. Uh, but the thing is, is it falls to you and I to ask, seek, and knock. Uh, as much as God would want to pour it out, he's waiting for us because God doesn't want to force anything on us. God's a, a true gentleman that wants us to want him more than uh, he wants to just pour it out on all of us. And, and so there are three parts to David's prayer in this first verse of this psalm. Uh, and, and it's the three, the three parts of it is praise, appreciation, and petition. He starts by saying, O God of my righteousness. David is praising God for who he is. And it's important in times of stress uh, to take our eyes off of ourselves and the triggers of stress and raise your head to the skies, if you will. Raise your head and your eyes and realize the goodness and the greatness of God. If you've been reading your uh, devotions the last couple of days, and I know that all of you read them every single day, uh, not, but uh, I know you do, a lot of you do. <clears throat> yes, Taryn, I was talking to you. Um, there, we're working on, in the last couple of days of being thankful, of looking back, because it's so easy for all of us, because it's human nature in us, to get bogged down with what we're dealing with right now that we sometimes fail to realize everything that he's brought us through and all of the blessings that he's given us. And so when you begin to praise him, uh, you, you come to the understanding that your life is not about you. I, I know that may heart, be heartbreaking for some of you, but our life is not about us. Our life is always about him. And uh, it's about God. And I think there would be much less stress in the world if we ever realized, truly realized, that it's not about us, it's about him. Um, and so the first thing within your prayer is to give praise. It's very difficult to be down, if you will, be stressed out when you're praising. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you when we're together in the sanctuary as the music begins to play to reach out in your own way in the, in the way that you see fit uh, because praise is a release to all of the stress that you have in your life. When you begin to praise, you are unlocking all of the stress that, that has been built up and as it, it begins to pour out. So prayer uh, in the first aspect of prayer is praise. The second one is appreciation. David says, you have relieved me in my distress. Notice David uses the past tense here. He's acknowledging uh, that God has relieved him in the past from the stress and the distress, if you will, of everything he, he has gone through, and he's very thankful for that. And many times when we're stressed out, we have a hard time remembering those things. Uh, and I just, I, I mentioned it a few minutes ago about looking back and seeing everything that God, but sometimes it's hard to remember uh, what he did because we're so, our, our minds and our hearts and our spirits are so bottled up by what's what we're dealing with right now. And uh, that we sometimes forget about all of the good things in life and the good experiences in life. And so David reflects on the path, uh, on the past with 
a heart of thankfulness. Uh, God has done some wonderful things in our lives. You may have been down, you may have been out, you may have been miserable, but you're still here. You're still standing. God still has you. You hit the bottom, you, you, you looked up at the bottom, if you, probably in some cases, and yet God still has allowed you to come strong into this hour, into this day. He still has us. He's still doing it for us. He's still making provision. He's still making the way. Uh, he is, after all, the way, the truth, and the life. And so uh, God has done these wonderful things using oftentimes these stressful situations to bring about his purpose. I've just got to tell you that I believe that all that we're dealing with right now in America and around the world, God is going to use for his purpose. I don't know what that purpose is yet, but I believe as big as this problem has been, as big as this virus has been, uh, all around the world and all the different countries and all of those things that people are watching and listening to and hearing, I believe that God is going to magnify his kingdom. And as we come out of this thing, it's going to be bigger and stronger than we can even imagine. And uh, he's going to, to let his purpose. And so when we appreciate what God has done in the past, uh, again, we stop focusing on the problem we stop focusing on the stress, and we begin to uh, look upward. Uh, the psalmist said elsewhere, he said, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Uh, if you want the King of glory to come in, you can't have your head hanging low. You can't have your spirit down and depressed. You've got to force yourself to lift up your head, open up your hearts or your gates, your eyes, which is the gate to your gateway to your soul. When you open up your eyes and you begin to see him for who he is, it opens up everything else for you and you begin to, to operate in the way that God has desired of you. The third aspect of David's prayer is he makes his petition. So praise, appreciation, and petition. He said, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. David asks for grace. David asks for grace. Perhaps David realized that his trouble was at least in part a result of his past decisions, maybe even his past sins. Uh, sometimes deliverance from our distress is as simple as saying, God, I realize that I have brought this upon myself because I'm less smart than I thought I was. Uh, and I made bad decisions. And in making those bad decisions, I'm now dealing with this situation that's causing me all kinds of grief. It's stressing me out. It's causing problems. And I'm just coming to you. I'm asking you to help me forgive me. Forgive me for, for dealing with this the way that I've dealt with it. Forgive me for my decision-making process. It, it's truly amazing how gracious God is willing to be if we're only willing to ask him. So the first, one of the first ways to deal with stress is to pray. And in that prayer, we show praise, appreciation, and petition. There was an evangelist by the name of John R. Rice. He once wrote this. I once imagined I was in heaven walking along with the angel Gabriel. I said, Gabe, what is that big building over there? You'll be disappointed, Gabriel answered. 
I don't think you want to see it. But I insisted, and he showed me floor after floor of beautiful gifts, all wrapped and ready to be sent. And Gabriel, or, and the John Rice said, Gabriel, what are all of these gifts? He said, I thought rather sadly, he said this, we wrapped all of these things, but you never asked for them. My question to you tonight is, how many gifts is heaven waiting to send your way? You just need to ask. You just need to seek him. How many times have we missed out on what God wants to do simply because we haven't asked? Simply because we've tried to do it on our own? Simply because we've said, mm, I don't really need to have God, I can figure this out. And yet, we've missed out on what God has for us. He has great gifts. If we're willing to ask him, Psychologists tell us that in many cases, simply talking to someone about our problems lifts us into a different perspective and releases some of the stress. So talking to God in prayer is perhaps the greatest gift we've ever been given. And by taking advantage of that gift, we can greatly reduce the stress in our lives. So let's follow David when coping with stress. Supplication ought to be our first response. But our second response in stressful situations should be stillness. This one does not go over well with most of us. Uh, but read verse 3. He says, Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. In stressful situations, sometimes you just need to be still. Now, most of us don't like that because part of our stress is in our head and part of our head says, if I can just be busy enough, I won't think about it. And so I, I don't take the time to be still. I just go crazy and I have 15 extra projects put onto my plate and, 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 and my honeydew list is tripled and, and, and all kinds of things just to keep my mind busy. And, but Jesus is saying, and David is saying to us, no, 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 at this point in time, be still. It's probably the simplest command that God has ever given and yet the most difficult one to keep. Uh, the Bible says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. That's Psalm 27, 14. And people have brought a great deal of stress upon themselves simply by not waiting for the Lord. Have you ever just jumped out in front of God? Um, the problem is, is when you jump out in front of God, it's like jumping out in front of a Mack truck. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, it's going to be messy and he's going to help you clean it all up, but you're, you're making your situation that much worse by being in a rush, by not waiting on God. And, uh, people, uh, Phillips Brooks said it this way. The trouble is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. The trouble is, I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. See, God doesn't operate on our time scale. And uh, we are so, and, and we're kind of learning the hard way right now, but we are so schedule and time oriented. Um, I, I saw the post, you know, it's been going around Facebook. The worst purchase of 2019 was a 2020 planner. And... Uh, and that's really the truth. But we live our lives on a structure of time. And when the time is, when when that schedule gets out of order or out of whack, we're like, no, 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 we got to get this back, get this back in time. 
and get this going. And, and it, it goes from everything in life to, you know, if you start church five minutes late and somebody that's on time, they're like, come on, we got to get this going. We got to get this going. And, and, and or, or if you're five minutes late, God forbid, McDonald's is not serving after 1215. You know, you got to get done in time to get to lunch. And, and, and so we get so rushed, but God isn't in a rushed mood. God is a very, uh, for lack of a better term, he's applauding God. He plans it out. He walks it out. He sees it out. He, he takes his time because um, he sees the end from the beginning and he knows where, you're, where he's wanting you to go. And, and so always remember that you might be in a hurry, but God isn't. And it was the same for the children of Israel in the wilderness. God, can you imagine being led by God out of Egypt? You've just walked through the plagues. You've walked through the Passover with the blood that was applied to your doorpost. Now you're walking out into the wilderness and God sends you a pillar of cloud by day and God sends you a pillar of fire by night. And uh, over time, though, the people grew impatient. And among other things, God was teaching them to wait on him, to be patient. We have to allow... See. We don't realize, oftentimes we don't think about it, that Moses was 80 years old before he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I understand that lifespans were different back then, but bring it even to our lifespan now. I'm not even 50 yet. I'll be 50 in August. And uh, so if you just take lifespans differently from Moses, I've been in the ministry for 30 some odd years wondering what God's doing, why haven't I seen the greatest? And I have to remember, I'm really at Moses's starting point. Uh, I, you know, Today, I'm at where Moses probably would have started leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was 80 years old. He had to be patient, and we have to be patient. I find this very interesting, and, and it wasn't a political deal, but uh, it used politicians. I saw an interview uh, one one time uh, it was an interview from 1986, and it was an interview with Richard Nixon, and he spoke of peace efforts that were underway throughout the world during the Reagan era, or the Reagan administration. And a reporter asked him, he said, "This is the U.S. better off this Christmas than it was this time last year." And the former president Nixon said, answered this way. As Americans, we have many great strengths, but one of our weaknesses is impatience. The Russians think in terms of decades, the Chinese in terms of centuries, and Americans think in terms of years, months, or even days. But if in the quest for a realistic, long-lasting peace, we expect overnight success or instant gratification, we are bound to be disappointed. Those were wise words from from President Nixon. Uh, whether you agree with him politically or not, that's not the point. But what he stated here is absolutely true. We have created in the Western Hemisphere this impatient uh, concept. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. Um, one of the things that has frustrated me during this season is on Saturday nights here by our house here in Coon Rapids, up and down Coon Rapids Boulevard, they're doing the old-fashioned cruise uh, night with all the, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of cars and people lining Coon Rapids Boulevard on Saturday nights. Really cool. You can hear it from our house 
until 10 o'clock, all the engines revving and all of that kind of thing. Well, <clears throat> I made the mistake of going out the last couple of Saturday nights to get some uh, dinner or something and went down to the Culver's there by the church. And they had two lines going through Culver's drive through all the way out to, uh, I think that's 99th there or Foley, maybe it's Foley, uh, all the way out to there and lined up and and you get in line and you get impatient waiting for fast food. And, uh, you know, how many times do you throw something in the microwave for a minute and you're just sitting there, you're, you're getting to 45 seconds, you're like, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up. We are an impatient people and God is not that way. Uh, when we become impatient, that's we set ourselves up for disappointment. And so when we are in a stressful situation or in a season of stress where we are experience that stress, experiencing that stress, and we become impatient with it, when we become impatient with it, God is smiling at us and saying, it's going to turn out bad for you if you're going to stay this impatient. Just have patience. Be still. I've got things in control. And there's a great insight to that. Uh, whether we are seeking world peace or we're seeking inner peace, we must relearn what it means to wait upon the Lord. David writes this, meditate in your heart upon your bed. He, he gives us this picture, a vivid picture of what it means to be still. Every Christian ought to take time out for God, set aside a time somewhere in the day. I'm not saying it has to be the first hour when you get up. I'm not saying it has to be a certain time of the day. I'm saying somewhere during the day, even if it's the last half hour before you go to bed, to find that place where you can just be still and quiet and meditate on the things of God. Um, when we do that, well, first of all, the only way that you'll ever be still is if you plan to be still. As I mentioned earlier, that we are structured by a schedule and time. And before too long, it's you've run out of time. And so oh, I'll just catch up on it tomorrow. And, oh, I'll just, and finally, one day turns into two, turns into four. All of a sudden, you're a week or two out and you haven't prayed. You haven't spent time with God. You haven't learned how to be still. And now you're wondering why you're so stressed out. You have to plan that, that still time, that quiet time. If it means you just go sit in a room, if it means the last half hour before you go to bed and, and you just meditate on the things of God, uh, and as if you meditate on the things of God before you go to sleep, the Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever, think on these things, the, all the things that are good. And when you do that, the, the Bible says, then the God of peace will settle into your spirit. So take that time and and you'll be able to find that that place. So when you are stressed, and I don't know about you, but it's been stressful the last couple of weeks, the Lord invites us to practice supplication, stillness, and last tonight, sacrifice. Application, stillness, and sacrifice. Verse number five, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Putting our trust in the Lord and behaving righteously while under distress is the kind of sacrifice that's pleasing to God. God is very pleased. You are at the height of your faith when you are sacrificing your actions, if you will, or your sacrifice when you're in the midst of stressed out situations. Trusting in the Lord is an essential part. It's vital. It's You can't do it without it. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And part of faith is having trust. And, and I, I read a story a while ago, and I really, when I read these stories, I write and jot these things down because 
simple statements become very profound to me. And that's kind of how I have built my repertoire, if you will, of thoughts. And uh, there was a pilot that was flying a very small plane. And he was having difficulty landing it because the fog had hidden the runway and he couldn't see. And so the air traffic controller decided to bring him in to land uh, by radar. And as the pilot received instruction, it suddenly hit him and he be instant spike in stress, if you will. He recalled that there is in that particular airport, that is there is a landing space, but there is a very tall pole that is an obstacle uh, to the flight path. And so instantly his, his, his stress spiked and he panicked and uh, he feverishly appeared, appealed to the control tower. And this was the blunt reply. And this is the statement that I wrote down and, and, and try to live by now. And that is this. This was the reply of the air traffic controller. You obey instructions, we'll take care of obstacles. You obey, or, or you obey instructions, we'll take care of the obstacles. And when I read that and I wrote that down years ago, uh, it was like God saying to me, listen, you do what I ask you to do and I'll take care of everything that's in the way. You just trust me enough. You just have faith in me enough. You just sacrifice your stress to me, your worry to me, everything that's going. We are in an absolute season when we have to trust him. I know that there is welling up inside of the people of this country, both Christian and non-Christian, a desire to cast off all restraint and just go crazy. Uh, but we have to sacrifice that stress explosion. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. I know it's an obstacle right now, but I'm going to uh, obey you and I'm going to go by your instructions and you're going to take care of those obstacles for me. Because here's the reason why it's so difficult. It's hard for you and I to trust what's ahead when we can't see what's there, when we can't see what's there, because we are such a visual people that when we can't see, fear rises up in us. And uh, uh, I mean, you think about this. Let me put it to you this way. This is, I, I was married in 1992, and there's something that I learned about my wife uh, very quickly and that is she likes to move furniture. Uh, she's, she's not the kind of, after a couple of weeks or months, the, the house needs to have, it's got to be fresh. So she figures out how to uh, set the furniture up in such a way to, you know, to move a chair here, a couch there or whatever. The problem is, is since we moved from D Dover to Kansas City, which was in 1993, since 1993, for the most part, in all of the rest of those times, I have started work like at 5.30 or 6, so I'm usually going to bed by 10, and she's a night owl, so she could be up till midnight. Well, I learned after a couple of times that it was after I went to bed that she changed the furniture. And me getting up and not seeing, I don't want to wake her up that early in the morning so I don't turn the lights on and then I wake her up anyhow because I've just tripped over the chair or I've stubbed my toe on the couch or something has happened. And so I learned that now when I get up in the dark of the morning and I start moving around, I walk very gently because I am fearful of what I'm going to trip on.
And that, that analogy plays into our walk with God. When we can't see it, because we've messed up so many times already, we don't want to mess up anymore. We become tentative and fearful because we're not trying. God is trying to tell somebody tonight, don't worry about the obstacles. You just do what I'm asking you to do. You just be what I'm asking you to be. You just pray the way I'm asking you to pray. You believe the way I'm asking you to believe. And I'll take care of the things that are in the way. And you're going to please me. And by pleasing me, I will reciprocate by sharing my love and my provision for you. I will make a way where there doesn't seem to be any other way. And so uh, we don't always know where the Lord's path is going to take us. And... and Listen, I've traveled all over the country into different opportunities that the Lord has laid in front of me, never realizing what God was actually doing and where he was actually taking me and, and opening up whichever door needed to be done. I find it interesting. Um, there was a television program that, that came on before the Winter Olympics one year. Uh, and it featured blind skiers, downhill skiers that were blind. And uh, they were being trained for downhill, and it sounds impossible, uh, but it wasn't. What they did was they paired a blind person with a seeing person. Uh, that was a the, the sight, uh, the one that could see was the teacher uh, of the, the person that was blind that was trying to learn how to downhill ski. And so they would go on, on the flat areas, how to make right turns, left turns, and figure all that out. And when that was mastered, then they were taken up to the slalom slope and, and where the sighted partners skied beside them, or, and they would call out left, right. And the blind person would learn at the sound of the voice to turn light, right or left. And as they obeyed the commands, they were able to negotiate the course and cross the finish line depending solely on the sighted skier's word. It was either complete trust or it was catastrophe. You had one or the other. There was no in-between. And really, that's a vivid picture of life. We are walking. The Bible says we see through a lens darkly or a glass darkly. And we have to listen for the word of God, the rhema word of God. God delights in the sacrifice of righteousness and trust in the Lord. That means believing and behaving in light of God's promises, his precepts, his principles. And if we live our life in that way, and in that, according to that word of God and fully relying on him, he'll tell us left, right, go straight, left, right. He'll direct us down the, the bumpy hills of our lives. And when we're truly pleasing to him, he's going to guarantee us that we're going to cross the finish line. We're not going to fall by the wayside if we're willing to listen to what God is speaking to us. That's stress relieving to me if I know that God is in control. That's hard for us to sometimes understand that God is trying to tell us something different. Because I think that I know what's best for me. And you think you know what's best for you. And the sad realization is we don't always know that. Only God knows our heart. And we have entered a season. We're actually, we've entered. We've, we're coming out of a season. I believe we are on the coming outside of this situation that we're in. I want you to keep your heads up. I want you to keep encouraged. Don't let the stress of this situation and the stress of this season 
overwhelm you. Some of you are facing overwhelming situations, not even including um, the whole virus thing. And you're dealing with family issues, you're dealing with work issues, you're dealing with neighbor issues, you're dealing with health issues, all kinds of things are going on, and it's so, so easy to get stressed. So easy to get stressed. But I want to encourage you, there is a way to relieve the stress. Um, it's, it, it's through this, the, the prayer, appreciation, sacrifice, supplication before God, trusting in him. Listen, let me ask you this one question, and you have to obviously answer it for yourselves tonight. But if you believe that God is really in control, do your actions and your thoughts express that? The way you think, the way you act, does those actions and those words and those thoughts reflect God being in control? It's an exciting thing. To me, it's it's the lifter of the stress when I know, Tim, just get it together. God's doing it. God's doing it. Just endure if you have to endure a sacrifice. If you have to sacrifice, just be. But find that place where you're just still in the place of God. Be still and know that I am God. We all experience stress from time to time. We all will. If you're not stressed out today, get ready. You'll get stressed out in a day or two. There's going to come stress because we're human. And, and, and deal with it with the massage or breathing exercise. Do all those kinds of things. Uh, but pray. Be still. And sacrifice by trusting. You'll never regret being able to look God in the face and say, God, my life is yours. I don't have to plan anything anymore. You know, we've got a, a member in our church, and he's on Zoom with us right now, Dave Johnson. He, he tells us that God sets his schedule, and, and I believe that he waits for somebody to call, and then he, he acts upon it, and uh, that, that he lives his entire life that way, and it could happen at any moment in time. But what would happen, I know we've all got a work schedules and things of that nature, but what if we in our spirits and in the way we think would operate exactly that way? God, I'm just waiting on you. When you tell me to jump, I'll say how or I'll ask how high. When you tell me to move, I'll ask you to where to move. When you tell me to respond, I'll ask you how do you want me to respond? Uh my not my will, but your will be done in my life because when that begins to happen, all I know is this. It when you start seeing the miracles of God, when you start seeing God operating in people's lives, when you start seeing the victories that God performs through you, when you see people's lives changed and influenced because of something you did for God, because God asked you to, all of a sudden, your stress level goes away because all you can do is sit and rejoice that you were an instrument in touching somebody's life. It's amazing to me. I just, to 
give you the behind the scenes of being a pastor. The most stressful day of the week for us is Sunday mornings uh, before church for several reasons. You want all the lights to work. You want the computers to work. You want you want to make sure you have the right message. You want to make sure the teachers didn't forget their teaching. You want to make sure that uh, every microphone works. You want to make sure that everybody's getting greeted. You want to make sure that people are comfortable. You want to make sure that you have the bulletins right and there's no typos. You're wanting to, and so getting to the church service is very stressful. And I'll just be honest with you, there are times even when worship time is stressful for me because uh, I'm debating in my spirit, okay, God, what are you wanting? Those times where I've gotten up and shared with you, I've got three or four different thoughts that are going through my head, and here we go with one of them. Uh, so our praise and worship time can sometimes get stressful for me. But then when I release what God is placing into me, I am totally drained by the end of the service because I have just poured out what God has poured in. But then when I look at the faces of some of you that have walked in the back door in the morning and I can see the stress of your life, and when you're walking out and I'm standing at the door uh, greeting you as you leave and there's a good, there's a big smile on your face and there's a hug and there's a, you know, we'll do a fake high five or a wave when we start back together. But when I see that smile on your face, all I, I know God has used the situation. And so all of a sudden, that stress of being the pastor at that moment, it just leaves. And uh, it's one of the reasons why my wife and I almost have to have a Sunday afternoon nap because we are just drained. And uh, it's a good drain. It's a, it's a, it's a build up for three days and it's out and oh, now I can rest. And so we sleep the best on Sunday afternoons. And, uh, and, and so I said all of that to say this, when you do this, what David said, when you pray, when you're still and waiting on him and when you sacrifice and do, even though you don't feel like it and you trust that he's got it in control, it allows the release of the hand of God into your life and you feel grace and mercy. It doesn't just become a thought to you. You actually feel it. And when you feel it, then your life becomes very light. And uh, you're able to move on to another day with a smile on your face and not a care in the world. Uh, if you would just bow your heads with me for a moment as we close tonight. There are people all across the country that will watch this at one point or another or catch something. And I pray that something that is said would release you from the stress of your life, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's just for a little while, you can trust God. Jesus, I come to you right now. You know where every person is at, Lord, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm asking you right now, God, to step into their life and allow them to feel the presence of God Allow them to feel the embrace of the Lord. Let them sense the glory of God as you are uh, taking control of their lives. And as you do so, I'm asking you to release the stress. Lord, let it be uh, a freedom to them. Let it be, Lord God, a, an opportunity for them 
to find peace and rest in your arms tonight. Lord, I'm praying for the best night of sleep for everybody that can hear this message. We'll be careful to give you glory, and should you tarry, we'll gather together again this weekend. We love and appreciate you so very much. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen. I want to thank you on Facebook for being with us tonight, and I want to thank you for your continued giving to the church uh, in the midst of this season. I want to encourage you to continue to do that through uh, our website or our post office box. Um, we, we appreciate that so very much. God's got us. God's got you. Sleep well tonight. Rest in him. Before you go to sleep, take a few minutes just to meditate on his goodness and rest easy. And in the morning, rejoice for it's a new day that he has made in Jesus name. God bless you all on Facebook.